Welcome back. That's insane. That's insane. Locker Room Ladies Season 3. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. We have big things coming in 2023. Oh my, my name's Maddie. My name's Charlotte Payne. This is Locker Room Ladies. Go Canes. Welcome back to Locker Room Ladies. Thank you so much for joining us again today. As we begin Women's History Month in the month of March, I'm Charlotte Payne. I'm Maddie. And as you all know, on the Locker Room Ladies podcast, every month is Women's History Month because every single episode, we highlight a wonderful, incredible, amazing woman who's changing the game. And March is going to be no different, but just a little more exciting because everyone's on board during March. We love it. And we are loving this new look that Maddie has going. She's doing this lovely slick back ponytail. See, I'm also doing a slick back, but mine is because I didn't wash my hair and it does not look good. I'm not sure. Maddie is looking great. <laughs> it's either giving New York City subway rat. No. Or I'm not sure. Or like Gen Z TikTok vibes. I can't tell. But No, it look I think this suits you. Also, really? side note. I recently, speaking of New York City subway rats, <laughs> make something out of nothing. <laughs> Emily and I were looking into, are alligators in the subway real? Like the sewage system? Is that a real in thing? In New York? Have you ever seen like the cartoons of the alligators in the sewage? Yes. Is that real? And I still don't have an answer, but I will look into this more and get back to you I guys feel like time. if Florida had subway systems, it would be, but I don't. I don't right? know that it would that they would be sustainable in New York because it's, right? it gets cold there, right? I don't know. They're cold sweated though, so that can they? But but if it's cold down there, they would freeze. Because yeah, like, right. Because how iguanas freeze because their blood is cold, so they can't warm themselves up if yeah. the temperature drops too low. I know. Oh, guys, I don't know if you <laughs> said this on the podcast. Charlotte and I both are absolutely terrified of lizards yeah no like major therapy was involved we're not yeah kidding. charlotte charlotte actually has like a reason to be afraid of them i am just like grossed out and uh, terrified of them but not not good don't love them no. do you remember when we were in tampa and the frog fell on your <gasps> car oh my goodness yes that wait i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back and find that clip <laughs> because picture. we we talked about it on the podcast. Wait, so I was thinking about that because recently, because I saw this TikTok yesterday of this guy who had a frog that was living in his fence in his backyard. Did <gasps> Wait, you I see it? Uh, what did he name Roderick. it? Roderick. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I thought it was so cute. And I was like, why are real frogs when I see them out? Not cute to me. They freak me out. But, they always freak me out. My dad used to hold them by the legs and uh, look at them. I'd be like, Dad, this is honestly really cool. And okay. I like this now as a child, but as an adult, no. <laughs> when I see iguanas, oh my gosh, golfing in Florida, traumatic. Yeah. The amount of iguanas out there on the course. And and everyone's like, oh, but they're more afraid of you than you are of them. No, they're scary. I'm, like, I'm terrified. I don't want to hit my ball near them. I don't want to have to walk that way. I, I literally nope, can't nope. do it. But Charlotte actually used to have a pet iguana, guys. We, I did. Back when I was like a baby, I could find a clip of that as well. I what was photos. its name? His name was Beavis because my dad is a child and he named it Beavis after the <laughs> cartoon Beavis and Butthead. 
Um, my dad's like St. Francis. He loves animals. <laughs> and we had every animal growing up. But I currently hate, not only do I hate reptiles, but I specifically hate lizards and iguanas. And I have an actual fear. I avoid places where I know they're at. They can live their lives. I will live <laughs> End of story. And the weird thing is I also hate, like, reptiles, iguanas, not a fan. Even, like, turtles, I think animated turtles, super cute. Real turtles and tortoises, I don't want to touch them. I I just, from afar. They're cute in the pond, far away. (laughs) Cartoons, adorable. The emoji, super cute. Cute idea of a turtle. Sea turtles, super cute. I was going to say, what do you think of sea turtles? Adorable. Because they swim. Adorable. And they're great. I, I don't mind a turtle as much. A snapping turtle? I don't want that. You I just, like, they have the same kind of, like, Seriously. skin as a lizard. Like, lizards with a shell. I don't like it. Yuck. Snakes, I hate the same thing. <laughs> but you know what? What reptile I actually am just so fascinated by? And it's it's alligators and crocodiles. I'm obsessed. Okay, same. Because I have this insane, it's called herptophobia. It's an, it, oh. Seriously, I was, like, therapi- therapy for this. I went to therapy for this. Um, I'm recovering I'm doing very well I've learned to live with it but alligators and crocodiles never bothered me I don't want to go to the Everglades and hang out with them however I don't mind them and this brings us back are there alligators in the New York City full circle circle. I watched this thing called (laughs) croc versus shark it's not it's not called that I swear it's not called that but I call it croc versus shark it's something along the lines of like croc and shark and it's it's uh, it talks about how they have found crocodiles and sharks in the same habitats, primarily in Ooh. places like Australia, and they find crocodiles in the ocean, and that is traumatizing, interesting, and scary. Yeah, the ocean's a scary place, honestly. I'm what? Yeah, uh, okay, we're getting so we're getting off track. so off Let, topic. You can you can just but, feel free to chop that right out, Charlotte. <laughs> you know that I won't because I loved the banter. I loved the fodder. Speaking of banter, let's talk about our amazing locker room lady this week. I'm sure you've seen her. If you have seen any major sporting event on ESPN, you definitely know who she is. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know you've seen her. It is the one and only Holly Rowe of ESPN. She is the sideline reporter. She's the lead sideline reporter on the Saturday college football broadcast. And she does just about everything. I don't think that this woman gets any sleep. Maddie actually has a Holly Rowe story. And when we were talking about her in our little pre-call, I became very fascinated and I want to know what the Holly Rowe story is. Oh my gosh, before we I get into feel this. like you probably know it, but I don't know. I'm very ex- I was very excited when Charlotte suggested Holly Rowe as our locker room lady because the summer of 2018, I had the opportunity to volunteer, assist the video team at the Winning Edge Leadership Retreat that summer that was happening in Miami. The Winning Edge is an organization that focuses on providing opportunities and creating game changers for women and minorities in sports and sports media. And long story short, I got connected with Korean Million and Maria Taylor, who founded The Winning Edge and were hosting the first ever retreat in Miami. Went there, spent the weekend with them. It was an incredible opportunity. Seriously, was surrounded by so many amazing people in the sports world. 
And a few months later, I get a text from Kareen that Maria was in Miami for, I don't know if you remember this back on social media, but the, the hashtag was hashtag Taylor Road, like R-O-W-E-D road trip. And it was Taylor, oh or it was <laughs> Maria Taylor, and it was Maria Taylor and Holly Rowe, and they were on like six schools in five days ahead wow. of football season. So it was like during training camp for all of these schools. I don't know which school they started at, but I know that they did Georgia, Alabama, Florida, University of Miami. They did quite a few schools kind of down in this region and they were on their Miami stop. And it was literally like I had I had pull I was pulling up to my internship in Fort Lauderdale when I found out they were in Miami and I get to my internship for that summer and I was like, hey, I have something this afternoon, but if I can finish my morning stuff really quickly, can I can I head out? Can I go back down to Miami and then come back later this afternoon? And they were like, yeah, sure, go for it. So I edited oh super quickly that morning, drove down to the practice facility down in Coral Gables, like the athletic training facility where the football players do their practice. And I get there and it's Maria Taylor and Holly Rowe. And literally I was... I had no idea what I was going to walk into. I was 21 years old, was just so excited to be there. I was in my little like internship outfit at this practice. It was so hot. I think I was wearing like a sweater and pants, like just not dressed for it. And they handed me an iPad and they were like, go for it. You're going to do our social content for the day. Just like film stuff on the iPad. And I was like, bet I'm, I'm down. And I just got to see them in action. And it was, they were there for like an hour or two. It It was super quick. It was incredible how well they were able to, because because if you looked at that content as it was happening, I was following along with this this road trip, and the content was so robust for like how quick and how much content they had to get across those those days, because it was more schools than it was days. It was like super jam packed with content, and they were literally. We got back to the lobby of the athletic facility. And they were seriously like sitting on the iPad, cutting clips and editing and getting their stuff together. So it was super cool. Very cool experience. I got to take a photo with them and we did the, I had them throw up the U at at Miami. So that was my little, my little brush with greatness. And so every single time I see either of them on the sidelines, I, I just cheer them on a little harder because I always get excited when I see women on the sidelines and women on TV in sports, but I just have a special place in my heart for them because they gave me, who at the time was an aspiring journalist, an opportunity and just let me kind of get to see them do their craft, which is amazing. So That's awesome. I love Holly Rowe, big fan, big Maria Taylor fan, <laughs> just love them and, and love seeing them succeed. And, and whenever they got opportunities, I get so excited whenever they cover big events. Well, of course, Holly Rowe and Maria Taylor have covered their share of large events. Let's take a quick little walk through history and learn a little bit about the great Holly Rowe. She's been with ESPN since I was born in 1998. So she is no rookie in this industry. She began at BYU studying broadcast journalism, left there to work a little bit, and then ended up graduating from the University of Utah 
And she actually interned at CBS Sports. Shout Ooh. out to CBS Sports. So fun. Then she went on and worked for Fox Sports. She was an analyst for the WNBA team in Utah at the time. She did work with CBS at the Final Four. She joined the Utah Jazz broadcast team in 2021. And her history at ESPN, she has her hand in every single imaginable sporting pot that she could. She's been a part of women's college basketball games, which we will get into. She was a part of, she is a part of women's college volleyball, both on the sidelines and doing play-by-play. She worked World Cup matches. She did the running of the Bulls, which is probably so fun. Swimming coverage, track and field. Of course, the college football playoffs, college football uh, in the fall, uh, the Division I Women's uh, National Championship in basketball. She's done the WNBA playoffs. She does NBA. She does the Women's College World Series. I'm getting out of breath. (laughs) Holly Rowe does it literally all. And she's just one of ESPN's most versatile commentators, if you ask me. She does all of it. And I don't know when she has time to go to bed because she's all over the map. She is incredible and we all know that this job is physically taxing you're on the road you're away from your family you're exposed to the elements you're in Alabama under the sun in the middle you know of the football season or you're in Colorado in the snow or wherever and Holly Rowe actually has an incredible story of triumph because she was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma and she is a spokesperson and advocate for cancer research and prevention. She said that uh, in 2015, she found a spot on her chest and she thought they'll just cut it out. It will be fine. Uh, She got a fateful phone call in New York City one day and they said that this is metastatic. It's going, you know, we have to treat this. This is cancer And it's very invasive. It's going to go to your whole body. We need to take care of this. So for the past couple of years, she has been doing immunotherapies and and treating this at the executive level. And she says that, you know, 75% of her job is outside in those elements. And now she really, you'll, you'll see that she'll cover up. And, you know, she says that when she's at the College World Series, she'll look at people in the bleachers and say, hey, put sunscreen on because it is so dangerous. And it's such an interesting thing that she's really bringing awareness to this because it is it is a major issue. If you're out there working in the elements, you're exposed to crazy things. It's a physical job. Maddie, we talk about football players putting their life on the line for their sport and their craft. And Holly Rowe has definitely done that. And she continues to do this with Grace as she fights this horrible disease and we are so happy to have her as our locker room lady this week. She's I was, just incredible. Did you know that story? I didn't know the story at all. Oh I had no idea how I didn't know this. Charlotte, you are so right. She really just is a staple. Any major sporting event, any big college championship, anything ESPN, you're going to see Holly Rowe. And she knows her stuff. She's on the sideline. She's one of those people. She's like the Tracy Wolfson, the Maria Taylor, Holly Rowe, there's so many of them, the Erin Andrews, that you want her on the sidelines because you know that she's going to ask those questions that everyone at home is thinking. And you know that she's studied up, that she knows exactly 
who she's talking to, what she's talking about, that she prepared for the moment. And I, I love that in a reporter that you can tell that they've spent the week before this game studying so every single pay- player and getting to know them. And I also just love the the way that she interacts with players because it's so much more personal than just like, oh, so what were you thinking whenever you missed that shot? Like she she definitely finds a way to connect right. with those players in, so true. in a way that makes you at home kind of see that window into people, which I think is is just the mark so of a great journalist. So true. And you actually learn something from her mm-hmm. too. And all those greats that you mentioned, you want her on the sideline or the court side talking to your favorite player after the game, especially if that player is Caitlin Clark, because she is just, I mean, the talk of the town, Maddie. She hit the insane buzzer beater against the number two Indiana at the end of regulation to seal the deal with an insane three. I mean, Caitlin Clark, we've talked about her before on the podcast. We will probably have to highlight her again because she is going (laughs) to be a major WNBA star because she's already such an amazing college athlete. I can't wait to see her in the tournament this year because I'm sure Iowa will be there and I'm sure she'll be leading the charge. So Holly Rowe got to do the little post game, uh, fun interview with her after so that was exciting and speaking of basketball Maddie we are getting down to the wire selection Sunday is upon us Miami women's team is actually on the projected bracket this year so we love them ladies it's all about the U as we love it is Charlotte Um, actually speaking of it being all about the U I have a question for you so last week I think it was could have been the week before but I think it was last week we talked about how Miami was hot, basketball school, I think it was a seven game win streak and a 13 straight home wins, something like that. We were just talking about how hot Miami was and how excited we were about it. And then alas, I don't know about you, Charlotte, but the past 10 years maybe of, of being a University of Miami sports fan has just felt like Every single time you want to get your hopes up and you think like, this is our year, something goes wrong and it just, you just, you kind of, your knees just buckle. Like it, it just, it yes. feels that way every single time. And in recent years, FSU has kind of been that kryptonite, the rivalry. I mean, we had a little tiny streak in football where we were beating them. And, and then last year, it just kind of went downhill again. But Charlotte. Initially, I think Miami had like a 25 or 30 point lead at one point in that game. And they got... Yeah, going into the half. It was like an insane lead. Right. They got complacent almost. And, you know, Miami was favored in that game. And I think that those are almost the most dangerous teams in the tournament because you're not expecting those kind of teams to really give you a run for your money. And then they come out there and you're like, oh, wait a second. We didn't give ourselves enough time here to hold on to this lead. We took our foot off the gas and now we're getting hands in an L. So at first I was super upset. I was like, oh my gosh, FSU, this is terrible. We can't lose to a team like this. Just, just really down about it. And I want to know your thoughts because after that, me being super down about it, I was talking to my dad, who's also a huge Miami fan. And he said, he's actually happy that it happened now because Hmm. he said all the things we just said last week the seven game win streak the undefeated at home 
we're about to head into the ACC tournament. And obviously you want to win that. And then you got to go into March Madness. And once you make the big dance in March Madness, you cannot lose. Like once you lose, you are done. done. So the idea is that if we're going to have a loss, get it out of the way, remind that team, hey, Yes, we were, we were, we have the talent and we were doing really well, but look at this team. You weren't expecting them to come in and beat you and look how this feels. It doesn't feel good right now. It sucks. So it's almost yeah. like a taste of that medicine right before you head into the big stretch. I, I think it's a good thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at it like that. Cause I like that take. I like that too. I wish it was a different opponent <laughs> because right. it's tough to lose to a team with such a horrible net rank right. going into this deciding time and arrivaled on top of it um arizona arizona state played on cbs on saturday and arizona state won in a buzzer beater very similar to the way that miami lost to their rival so it's something about the rival team um that gets you in your achilles heel but i like that take on you know you feel what it feels like to lose and you better not do it again right and miami's now going into play pit uh, in their last oh. regular season game on Saturday. It's a top 25 oh. matchup. We are all very excited. It's going to be a insane matchup for sure. Uh, I'm very excited to watch it. That makes me nervous. Maddie, it makes me so nervous, but I think this Miami team has what it takes this year. They are no longer newbies to the tournament. They've been to the Elite Eight. They've got, they, you know, they got that under their belt. I think that they could have a really, really deep run, and I really hope they do. And I'm just excited for this tournament, Maddie. Oh, my god! I'm so excited. Me too. And And it's going to be fun. I'm, like, so nervous hearing you say Pitt because I just – the last time I – was that the last time I was at a Pitt game? That can't be. Oh, my God. Last time I was at a pick game was football, and it was when Kenny Pickett beat Miami when we were ranked number two, that whole fiasco. I don't think that was the last time. I think I went to one more after that. I definitely went to one more after that, actually. But the last time that I saw Pitt basketball play in person, I was a senior in high school, and I want to say I had just gotten into University of Miami, And my dad, Miami Miami? was in town. So my dad, it was a school night. He took me down to the city. We went to the game. He and I, along with like three other people in that entire building, were wearing Miami gear. Like literally no one else. It was all pit. And and there was literally like five of us total that were wearing Miami gear. And Miami ended up winning and it was really fun. And then I remember the drive home was so icy and so bad. And I had a math test and I was trying to study for the math (sighs) test in the car. And my dad, like it literally took us so much longer to get home, like double the amount of time to get home because the roads were so bad. And then uh, we ended up getting school canceled the next day. So I had another day to study for my math test. It was just all around good vibes. So hopefully that is the way that this game goes. What are you doing on Saturday? Because you should be in Coral Gables. <laughs> I need to it go. It seems like you're this. No, you have to. Can you get tickets? Like, think about it. Wait, because it's at 6 p.m. I might have to work. It's at 6 p.m. at the Wasco Center. If you don't have to work, try to go because you seem to be the good luck charm. <laughs> I, I just, I can't wait. And I'll be, of course, on the road for, I don't know if I actually announced this on the podcast. I don't, I don't even know what did, I say. But <laughs> let's go for but, it. Um, 
last year I had the opportunity to go and work some studio shows at the final four this year. I won't be at the final four, but I will be doing some coverage on the remote game cruise. So I started off that journey last weekend and Michigan at the Wisconsin, Michigan game. And if anybody knows what I'm talking about, it was an overtime thriller. It was so fun to do in-game graphics. It's so different than what I'm used to in the studio, but it's such a fun environment. You feel the energy of the event and you just have that, you know, rush of adrenaline the whole time. And it's so insane. And then I, of course, get home from Michigan and I turn the game on and watch it and see what I, you know, did. Next weekend, I will be in Arkansas for Kentucky and Arkansas. So when you guys are listening to this on Locker Room Ladies Thursday, I'll be on a plane to Fayetteville, Arkansas. So be (laughs) sure to tune in on Saturday at 2. That's going to be a fun game. I'm very excited. You know, it's it's that time where now we're we're in March and it shit's getting real. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Shit is getting real. Exactly, Charlotte. It is getting real. And I don't know for those of you who were around last year for our bracket episode, we did the coveted which mascot would win in a fight way to pick our brackets. But I think this year we got we go to go for it. We got to go for the real deal. Like this is the team we think is going to win it all. And we got to be serious about it. And we'll see what happens, Charlotte. Maddie, I do have one question for you. And it is so hard to predict. (laughs) Oh my God. You want to ask me who's going to win already? No, I don't. We can think on this and do the math. We will get our brackets out to you before, you know, once the selection show is out, on CBS on March 12th, you'll see the bracket come out as it will be for the tournament. But what do you think? I mean, we saw St. Peter's last year have had their insane run and they knocked out my team that I thought was going to win Kentucky, but uh, that obviously didn't happen. What do you think? Which team do you think is going to be the Cinderella story this year? And it is so random. It is such an out there question. There is no right answer. Let's just have some fun. Who do you think it's going to be? Does it have to be like an absolute random school or can it be like a five seed? I think so, right? No. No, it can't be a five seed. Like those are the expected. Um. (laughs) You you can say Miami. I mean, I get it. I want to pick like a random school though. And I I need to to see like who's going to be in for sure before I can pick, you know? Okay, fine. Okay, we'll we'll wait until the selection show comes out and the bracket. When is we official. do our bracket, we can pick our one Cinderella can, story. I love that idea. Okay, so we'll think. Because I can't that. just like pick a random school. Like I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, you're right. That's a really hard question. But <laughs> I need to see my options. I need at least like multiple choice. I need like 64 people to look at. We will catch you guys after the break. We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about my favorite sport after the break. Welcome back. Thank you so much for hanging in during the break. Maddie, spring training has begun. Are you excited as a resident of Florida who could go to these games? Yes. Austin actually just asked me which games I want to go to in the coming weeks. So we shall see. Which games are you going to go to? So where, where the Mets are where? Port St. Lucie. So, so that's not that far. From where I live now, it is about, I want to say like an hour and a half, hour 45. Okay, well, that's maybe. not bad. Maybe it could be longer. I'm terrible with 
with geography. Um, <laughs> I would say it's under two hours though, but but okay. still kind of a trek. Like it's definitely, it's not like, like you, a, go, you go after work kind of thing. It's like you go on right, a weekend day. day. Last year, I think there was one day my boyfriend and I had both just like taken the day off work. Like we used a vacation day to go on like a random Tuesday <laughs> to see the Mets, uh-huh. which is actually kind of fun. But it was like, yeah. that was what we did for the whole day. There's not much. Right. It's you got to make a day out of it. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, and yeah. baseball actually is long enough that it does take a whole day, which is <laughs> why, Maddie, they've implemented this new change in regards to the pitch clock. And I want to talk about it because I want to know what your thoughts are on this because I have mixed opinions in my own head about it. Uh, so the pitch clock rules have changed. Now a pitcher has 15 seconds to throw a pitch with no runners on base and 20 seconds when they have runners on base. But here's the kicker. The batter has to be in the batter box looking at the pitcher. I'm like, I'm acting this out with actions for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Looking at the pitcher with at least eight seconds to go on the pitch clock. Right. Or the batter will receive an automatic strike. Right. And this happened, historic moment for Manny Machado. I saw He's this. The first it ended ever pitch clock violator. Right. And didn't it and it ended the it was like ninth inning strike tie game. Yeah. So he, you know, he came out and said, I'm gonna have to make a very big adjustment here because I might be down 0-1 a lot. There's definitely gonna be an adjustment, but he was excited to be the first of anything. So good for him on that. But it's Ugh. interesting. And I wonder what your thoughts are on this, because I believe the the rules prior where you got a ball and the pitch clock was longer. Now we have a whole board behind the batter with a running clock. So they're really trying to speed this game along. What do you think about this automatic strike rule? Mm, I saw okay so actually on that video of Manny Machado there was a lot of angry comments on Instagram and some people were throwing out the idea that maybe the pitch clock should be like for the first seven innings or something so it doesn't affect like really the outcome of a game you know you're not going to get like bottom of the ninth kind of thing which I think could be you know, a step in the right direction because it would speed up the right. first seven innings and the, the last two, okay, they're, they're going to take a little bit longer, whatever. Sure. So I kind of liked that idea, but I really would have to see it executed. And from the looks of it, it kind of seems like the pitchers are more excited about it than the batters. Yes, because the batters are the ones who might screw up. I mean, they're not used to this change. And the one thing I actually do like about this pitch clock as someone who is giddy about watching baseball and I'll watch it all day long, I understand why we don't want it to be such a long game. But if we remember the sticky stuff situation that happened and that happened in the middle of the season, right. this is happening. And we said on this podcast, if only this had happened before the start of the season. So guys had time to adjust and switch gears and figure out how to navigate the new rule. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this is a good opportunity for guys to work out their kinks, you know, get their swing, literally. 
and figure it out because I think this is going to speed up the game a little bit. We're going to have angry fans. We'll we might have some that's what I'm going to say. Right now, I'm kind of like, oh, let's see how it goes. And then just wait until it screws someone over in crunch time. Then I'm going to come on here and be like, it's the worst rule ever. Why would they do this? They're like, you know what I mean? I, I, you got to wait until right. something happens. It's spring training right now. And although we've had the official first violation it's spring training so I don't think anyone's super fired up about it yet so I definitely think it's gonna we're gonna have to see how it goes and how it's executed and also I'm curious to see like how often we see violations like I just want to see the frequency of it is it gonna be something that it's it's like every game or are we you know what I mean like how often are guys gonna mess up on this and I think you made the point that they have the whole spring training, the off season to prepare for this rule. So you would think that it wouldn't really be something that came into play as much, but we'll see. I'm curious. The last couple years, they've been doing things, a lot of things really to speed up the game. And they did the whole runner on second base and extra innings, that whole thing. So another interesting way. It's interesting. They're changing the game in little ways. I'm just happy they're doing it not in the middle of the season. Right. Because that really, you know, struck a chord in <laughs> Yankee fans' hearts because that really kind of screwed us a little bit. Because Cole couldn't have a spider attack anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> think that, about it. you so aggressive? <laughs> no, but think about it. Like, listen, I am used to playing a certain way. And growing up my whole life, that was totally a legal way to play. Legal. And now all of a sudden, you know. Well, now all of a sudden they say, you got to do it this way. Think about if you're in your job. All right. Well, now you have to start using this new software. But I think it was like legal with an asterisk though, right? It wasn't, I I think it was kind of still. And we we all know how I frowned upon. Asterisk. (laughs) I still think something was up in the playoffs with the, with the Padres. What was the deal there? That was weird. Right? And I, and it's actually, you bring up an interesting point because that was, that did come into play and people were, you know, getting checked out on the mound. People I were mad at Buck Showalter for calling him out, but also yeah. it was sketchy. You saw the guy's ear was all wet and shiny. It was, it was, it was Musgrove. I think it was Musgrove. I, I mean, it was actually. And, and that game, it, I think that was kind of just a Hail Mary by Buck Walter. Just like, let's see if something's up. But also, yeah. you have to, especially they put such an emphasis on it. And it was weird. It was like, people's ears don't typically sweat. Like It was just bizarre. And then I heard no, like- unless you're like a wrestler, your ears are fine. And then there were some players that were tweeting about like Red Hot or something. That guys like put oh, Red Hot yeah, behind yeah, their ears yeah. to stay like focused, which is an interesting take. I didn't know that that was something yeah, that players like, did. It's like the smelling salts of the ear. Or the <laughs> shot of lemon juice. If you know, you know. <gasps> this, the smelling salts of the ear. Should we put hot sauce behind our ears, Charlotte, for our next episode and see what happens? If that rem- if we maintain focus with hot sauce on the ear, then I will. I kind of want to know understand. what it feels like. Like, is it gonna make my Me ears too. sweat? Should we? I don't know. Should I try? We should it? Definitely. We should definitely figure this out. Wait, I have hot sauce. Should... I don't know. Is it gonna? Make I don't my... know if I want to put hot sauce on my ears at this present moment, but I am down to do this. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Shortly. And we, Maddie, we should take separate videos of us trying this. 
and over time see the progress Does it get and we red? can post it we can post it a as time a lapse <laughs> oh my god hour one with hot sauce on the year hour. i'm gonna tell uh, but this is the thing let's let's let's, see. let's make this a let's make this a clip when you have your a free moment put some hot sauce on your ear okay and I want to see what happens. It needs to be on and, a hair washing and, day so I can wash it out yes, after. Which actually is tonight for me. But it's fine. We will get into this later. Okay. Put it on the ear. Take photos. Timestamp them. Okay. This is this is we on will, our agenda for the, sometime this season. Yeah. We will we will get hot in the ear for you guys. <laughs> we'll get hot in the ear. Okay. Well, anyway. So new rules, new rules, new baseball. I've also seen a lot of memes making fun of base sizes. Have you seen those where they show like yeah. <laughs> the giant yeah. bases? They're not actually that much bigger, but there's... No, they're they're actually really not at all. It's like even... You remember the ball? The ball? Yep. The the change of... There's been a yeah, lot. Yeah, we went into that. that was there have been on the quite podcast, a few... Since we started this a podcast in the last two years, there have been quite a few changes in yeah, Major League Baseball, been. and it's subtle, so we'll see. I don't know. I'm curious to see how this actually plays out, but you bet while I'm watching those baseball games, I'm going to be munching on some Cracker Jill, Charlotte. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jills. Guys and gals, we will see you very shortly because we're getting into our bracket breakdown. Oh. Our baseball breakdown. I'm excited. All the bees. And we'll have some red hot ears to go along to match the outfit. One final thing. Oh my god, yes. Okay, first of all, I don't care if you're a Mets fan or not, because I just, you know, I'm a newly minted Mets fan. Steve Cohen, baller owner, baller owner. Like, you gotta love having that guy as your owner. This is what we're talking about. We look at the Bob Nutting and we look at the Steve Cohen, two types of people. Mm-hmm. We never talked about the Mets Super Bowl commercial, by the way. I'm oh, here yeah, for yeah. it. I love it. Here for it. But aside from that, that was just a complete side note. The Mets hype video that they made for this season I've never been this excited for a baseball season, Charlotte. And I just would like, that's all, that's all I have to say. I just feel like that's all we have. Those Mets, they just, they, they seem ready. And I liked all the off season acquisitions that happened there. So get ready, Charlotte. And the Mets are in Miami for opening day this year. Ooh, so you'll have to go. Guys, before opening day, Mets fans, you got to sell your DeGrom jerseys. I'm just saying. Get rid of him because he's gone. <laughs> I already had to get rid and of him. And I'll mine. leave it. I will leave it on Austin said bye. <laughs> we get rid of these. All right. On that note. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on Locker Ladies. We will see you again.